Hello everyone, um, as I was recording, I accidentally said episode 13 when I meant to say episode 12. Anyway, this is episode 12, not 13. So, maestro, hit my intro, please! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's time! Welcome to My Two Cents Podcast, episode 13, which is entitled... Tragic. Tragic! The reason why this episode is called Tragic because in this episode, I'm going to be talking about Meghan Markle and the royal family debacle. Now, in that debacle, a whole lot of people's perspective of what they pursue or what they think about the royal family will be exposed tonight by Meghan Markle and Harry when they talk to Oprah for their interview um, tonight, but that's, I'm gonna get to that in a minute, but let me read off, uh, the National Food Days for this week. Today, March 7th, is National Cereal Day. Tomorrow, March 8th, will be Peanut Cluster Day. March 9th will be, uh, Meatball Day and Crab Day. March 10th will be Ranch Dressing Day. March 11th will be Eat Your Noodles Day. March 12th, Milky Way Day. And March 13th, Chicken Noodle Soup Day. And before I get into all any of my subjects uh, matter, let me give some rest in peace to uh, three individuals. Uh, Jamal French, he was 29. He was an actor from Degrassi uh, Next Generation. They have no uh, inkling of why he passed away, but more will certainly be revealed down the line this week. I'm sure of it. Um Irv Cross, he was 81. He was a former football player and the first African-American uh, sports analyst. Um, I believe in 2018 or 2019, one or two, he uh, came out and said that he had dementia, so he probably passed away from um, dementia, but yet again, no uh, announcement of the reason why he passed, but I'm pretty sure <laughs> throughout this week, uh, new information will come up. And also to Jim Crockett, Jr. He was 76. He was part owner of Jim Crockett Promotions, which eventually ended up turning to uh, WCW World Championship Wrestling after they sold a uh, majority of their uh, promotion and majority of their business over to Ted Turner back in 1990. That's whenever World Wrestling, not World Wrestling, World Championship Wrestling, WCW, was formed. Um, yet again, another. He passed away this Wednesday. But nobody knows the reason or why he passed. Um, but yet again, I'm pretty sure throughout this coming week, we will find out why he, uh, what caused him to pass away. Um, let me give a little backstory, not backstory. Let me give you a little uh, highlights of my week this week. Uh, for this week, my school has been giving me, I haven't had much problems this week. This week was quite easy. I was able to do my work and uh, have fun at the same time after I got done with my work. We're coming up on midterm, so I mean, we're half of the year, not half of the year, half of the semester already quite done already. I'm already down, knocked down also one course. So, I had six beginning of the semester, now I'm down to five. And slowly but surely, all those will be trickled down and this semester I'll be done with all my credits and I will have those credits I need this. Fast pace myself to graduate 
uh, sooner rather than later. But anyway, let me get into uh, my subject matter. The subject matter for this episode is Meghan Markle being bullied or is she bullying the staff at Buckingham Palace? I will also be talking about uh, a school in Florida deciding to confront complaints of racism. Uh, another topic I'll be talking about is the George Floyd case. Well, something that is involved in the case now that we'll be going into court. Um, I will be giving an update on the Amber Geiger case. That is the female cop who murdered uh, Bolton Jane. Uh, I'll be talking about uh, Chris Harrison from The Bachelor. Personally, I'll, I'll break down more into that. And I also will be talking about states letting up on the mask uh, ordinance and getting back to what we deemed normal before this whole pandemic thing happened. And uh, Andrew Cuomo. But first, let me get into Meghan Markle. Uh, Meghan Markle this week... It was announced that she, um, from Buckingham Palace, it was announced that um, some former employees of Buckingham Palace has came out and say that she bullied them. Um, I'm not so sure that's the case, but she had um, co-stars come out and um, support her and uh, cheer her on and say that, nah, that couldn't be her. She's a good person. This uh, just had people backing her and showing off what good of a person that she was. Um, but what we could be, what my whole thing about this is, because I know I'm jumping all over the case. Let me just boil this down to you right now. Buckingham Palace is royalty. Royalty is the queen, her husband, uh, her son, and now her grandkids, Harry, William, their wives, Kate, Megan, and now their children, the Royals, if you will. And everybody's infatuated with the Royals. Every single person. I'm not personally, I personally don't care about the Royals. I am a man that puts his hand in the dirt, put his head in the dirt, if you will. And um, I don't pay attention to a lot of people's business. Because personally, um, we don't know whatever goes and go, whatever happens in somebody's house. Nobody ever truly knows what goes down in somebody's household. So whenever some um, former employees of the Buckingham Palace came out and said that Meghan Markle bullied them, I find that pretty hard to believe, to be honest with you, because she just got married to Harriet, I don't know, let me let me stop, not stop this, but let me research this for a minute. Hold on one second. She got married to um, Harry, Duke of Sussex, um, in 2018. I was up to see that marriage. Well, obviously, for this reason and this reason alone, because, well, she's black. This is the first time a black person is going into uh, the royal and being married into royalty. Well, at least British, British royalty. The Royals that are known worldwide. Let me just make that more crystal clear and abundant. And people might say, Gerald, come on, the black thing again. Yes, when you are black, you have to take your wings when you get your wings. The system is rigged against us. I have to let everybody know this almost every episode, and I will continue to let you guys know this every episode that I continuously do. The system 
has been made to go against us and is slowly starting to turn and work for us. But whenever it does, I'm going to champion that win unless it is of a heinous, heinous crime. And this, to Marianne Tarotti, is not a heinous crime at all. As a matter of fact, it is the greatest thing besides becoming president because the royalty is royalty. She's now married into royalty. She has a child by him. And I think she's pregnant again by him. Hold on one second, yet again. Yes, she is pregnant with Harry's second child. So now she's she's dealing with people attacking her while she's pregnant and saying that she bullied him. I'm not sure what happened in the palace, but let me explain something to you. If she bullied the workers in Buckingham Palace, I'm pretty sure Harry did it, William did it, Kate did it, the Queen did it, and her husband did it, and their son, uh, Prince Charles, he did it. Like I said, those workers have probably dealt with people that were just rude to them before. But that comes with the territory. You're working with the royals. Yes, everybody should be treated with kindness and fairness and everything else. I believe in that wholeheartedly. But when you're working for the royals, it's just the same as working it working for the president of the United States as a butler or as a, a housekeeper or as a chef. There is going to be times where they're going to be rude to you. Expect that. There's people out here in regular, normal, nine-to-five jobs where one day somebody's completely nice to you and the next day they might be completely uh, rude and a complete uh, just a dick to you. Just be quite frank with you. And with that all happening, you're going to wonder, okay, why are they such a prick to me today? They were so nice yesterday. There might be a streak when they're a prick to you and then somehow randomly, while out of the blue, they're nice. I'm not here to say if that happened or not. What I'm here to tell you is right now is that if they're going to call out Megan for this, I need them to keep that same energy for the queen, her husband, her son Charles, the her grandchildren, William, her his, uh, his wife Kate, Harry, and if I'm just saying you got to keep that same energy, you got to label all of them out. Don't just single out one person because I'm going to let you know right now. It's going to make it seem like you're attacking the only black person in that whole faction, that whole stable, if you will. She just got in there. She's the newest addition to that family. And it was already a hassle to get into that family when she was dating Harry. People were criticizing the British tabloids were smacking it. And I mean just laying down filth and trash and trashing her name. And you will hit here from time to time on tabloids. Oh my God, she's she's dating a black girl. How's the black girl going to uh, coincide and work with British society? How's it going to function? And da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And people were saying mean things about her when she was pregnant. By God, come on, fam. How are you going to start just bombasting and lambasting this woman and she's pregnant with royalty in her stomach? 
There's a lot of women out here that are pregnant with regular children and they don't even get that much scrutiny as Megan did. That's ridiculous. How, whenever you are of star quality and notoriety and national headlines, whenever you walk out, there's only a select few in this world that had that. Michael Jackson had that. Uh, Mike Tyson had that. I'm not going to say Michael Jordan because Michael Jordan has to be like doing some like athletic stuff. But Michael Jackson, Mike Tyson in his prime peak, um, the Royals now, the president now, the president's kids. By the way, congratulations to Malia Obama. She is going to be working under the helm of Donald Glover. If you don't know who Donald Glover is, he is a rapper, actor, and director uh, who created the show... Atlanta on FX. I haven't really watched Atlanta that much. I kind of like catch a glimpse of clips here and there on YouTube. And when I do catch the uh, clips, they're funny clips. Um, but uh, he's going to be, uh, she's going to be working under, under Donald Glover in his new show called The Hive on Amazon. Um, I'm not sure what it's going to be featured about, but hey, that's just what it is. But let me get back to my point here. When you're of a high... When you're on that high national, worldly, uh, global star power, uh, notoriety, when people are just going to notice you because you have now either married somebody that's famous, entered a realm that normal, um, casual people, everyday life people would never have the chance to enter that type of notoriety where automatically invested in what you're doing. We, as humans, are naturally curious. People are nosy. That's the term that people like to use a lot. Now you're nosy this. And here's another one, pocket watching. Pocket watching is more of the money deal, but I'm going to use pocket watching for this because people want to know everything by the second, what these people are doing. That's why Twitter is so great, because you could tweet one second, and then next thing you know, it'll go, it'll go viral the next second. Twitter is perfect for pocket watching, or um, Instagram, whenever somebody uploads photos on the gram. That's why Instagram is so great, and one of the worst things ever, because it'll make people feel so crappy about their life, because they see somebody finessing the world in making you believe that they're doing something when they're really not. But that's on a whole nother tangent. Meghan Markle should not be criticized and just singled out for saying that she bullied the staff at Buckingham Palace. That's not, I don't believe that's the case at all. I think they're trying to stop the interview tonight. I think they're trying to get ahead of the interview that's going to be airing tonight with Megan, Harry, and Oprah. I think that's what's trying to happen. As a matter of fact, I will bet my bottom dollar that's exactly what's trying to happen. Because whenever you are in a, a family or you marry into a family with so much money and a legacy behind them, you will automatically hand it these sets of rules of how you're supposed to behave. You're not supposed to get out of line. You're supposed to follow these rules 
to the T. Because if you don't, you are insulting that legacy. You are not doing what you're supposed to do by the book or by the letter or what your title is for that legacy. That's why in certain uh, kingdoms and everything else, you might not even see the wife. You might not hear from the wife. You just only might hear from the king or the prince. You might not even hear from the princess. You'll hear nothing from them. You only hear from like legitimately the kings or prince because by legacy and passed down, all that stuff has been laid out. And not a lot of times people are agreeing with it, but they suck it up and they know that they're now a part of this. And I think that's what didn't happen with Diana. And I think that's what didn't happen right here with Megan. Every documentary that you see with Princess Diana, you always hear about there was always some tension with uh, Diana and the royal family because Diana did something that the royal family didn't agree with or something along that type of line that Diana stepped out of her place. She stepped out of pocket. She didn't uh, fall in line like the queen wanted her to fall in line. And I believe that's the same thing with Harry and Meghan. If I'm going to be truthfully honest with you, because I talked to my mom this week with this, because we had a conversation and I told her, hey, I don't think, I think Megan, I'm not Megan, I think Harry wanted to be out of there personally. I think Megan, Megan had nothing to do with Harry, like, leaving the royal family, because people would think, oh, he got a spouse now, and he's uh, falling behind her, and if she leaves one way, he will automatically go right behind her. No, I don't believe that in every instance. This instance, I don't believe that. I believe that Harry wanted to leave our royal family. I think Harry wanted to step away from England. I believe that wholeheartedly. Because whenever you look as a... I'm looking at this through an average person's eyesight. And I can only imagine me in Harry's shoes. Harry had to walk behind his mother's casket as she's being laid to rest. He walked. Him, his brother, walked behind the casket, the the ch chariot that was carrying his mother in a casket to her grave. I believe since that day, he's been in his... It probably been deep rooted, but he's been looking for a way to get out. And Megan probably gave him the strength to leave that whole system. The royal family is a system. You have to all get in line. You have to do your duties when you're called upon to do your duties. And if you're going through a bad situation, you can't let the public see that you're going through a bad situation because you're supposed to be the public's superheroes. We can do no wrong in your eyes. We're supposed to do this and that and blah, blah, blah. And that's about it. But that's not real life. 
you can only do so much until you have reached your breaking point. And when you reach that breaking point, people can only imagine and think about, okay, he might do this or he might do that. But whenever you do something that people didn't think that you were going to do, that's whenever people say, oh my God, he's really snapped or he's really lost his mind. No, he hasn't just lost his mind, people. He was already there. He already was at his breaking point. He was done. I believe Harry been done. Harry been wanted to step out. Megan was just, well, I got married to a girl that I like and the British tabloids are just trashing her. Well, guess what? That just added more flames to my fire to want to get out of here. And he probably looked at Megan. All right, Megan, you want to leave out here? I'm tired of being here. I'm tired. I don't like the way that they're trashing you and this and that. This reminds me of them doing this to my mother and all this type of thing. And he, him and her dipped. I believe that's what happened. But who am I to say? Only they know. But you can look back and Google all the tabloids and all the um, shameful things that they have said about Meghan Markle. You can definitely Google that. And when you're with the under that legacy under the royal system. You can't speak for yourself. You don't speak at all for yourself. You have your royal PR team release a press statement and that's it. They release a press release, a statement out to the press, and that's all. They don't hear from you unless you're doing some like charity work and the media just happens to be there with their cameras and they catch you doing your uh, charity, then that's when you'll probably talk. But other than that, no, nah, you don't You don't hear the royal speak. You don't do it at all. I'm about to read you a title right now from Yahoo Entertainment. It says, Mar Meghan Markle says it's liberating to speak for herself. She says, Meghan Markle says it's really liberating to be able to speak for herself again. And continuing throughout the article, CBS This Morning ran another clip from the upcoming interview she and Prince Harry did with Oprah Winfrey, which aired Sunday on Network's 60 Minutes, in which she spoke about being silenced by the royals. As she faces relentless criticism in the British press, more people, including one of her closest friends and former Suits co-stars, are speaking out supporting her. What more do you need? What more? Seriously. She had been silenced, people. She, you could, you could only do but so much when you're under somebody's thumb. But people are going to say, well, Gerald, you knew, she knew what she was getting herself into whenever she was married into royalty. Yes and no. You have an idea of what you're marrying into. You don't technically know until you are in until you didn't it's like a pregnant person talking to somebody that's not pregnant but that person that's not pregnant thinks that they know what they're getting themselves into and then the pregnant person will have to tell them no you don't have no idea what you're getting yourself into until you're pregnant that's the only example i can give you a person that's pregnant to can tell you exactly what to expect, this and that, and such and such, when, when you become pregnant.
You only can think what's going to happen, but you don't know. And that's what happened here. Meghan Markle thought this was in that was going to happen when she becomes uh, married and becomes Harry's wife. But nobody, and I mean nobody, not Kate. Kate probably told her, okay, this is what you could expect, this and that. But I believe even Kate probably told her that. But I think that it was a big, um, un, they didn't estimate how much the press was going to lambaste Megan because she's black and she's entering the royal family and she's the first black person entering that royal family, entering that hot, entering that um hierarchy, entering that whole monarchy. That's a whole system. You have no idea what you're entering yourself into until you do it. And then once you're out of that system or as you're in that system, you can give some notes to somebody, okay, this is what I've dealt with, because I'm this, I'm a female, I'm a black female, I'm the first black person in this whole legacy, and this is what I've dealt with with the British uh, tabloids compared to uh, my spouse who is white, and his brother's spouse who is white. You can only compare and contrast that's all this whole thing was for Megan. It was a compare and contrast deal. You can compare them, but then there's a certain contrast, and the contrast is Megan's black. And I don't know what more needs to be said for that. You guys have to understand that Megan can only do so much. And... <laughs> You, people don't know until they're in that in that person's shoes. As I'm looking over this um, article, I want to read this right here. Uh, King, who is Gail King, spoke about how Buckingham Palace is investigating allegations that Marco bullied her staff when she was in the UK. An allegation that popped up ahead of this interview. However... King said, as far as the public knows, there isn't an investigation into the sexual abuse allegation against Prince Harry, not Prince Harry, Prince Andrew, and his friend friendship with Jeffrey Epstein. Now, Jeffrey Epstein was a nasty man. He had an island where that he would get uh, women that were underage there, and he would have uh, relations with these underage women was ultimately led to these women years later come out and say that they got abused by Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein ended up uh, getting arrested. He ends up committing suicide in his uh, jail cell. And in that, he had a book, and apparently he had a uh, list of people that he would, celebrity big names that would be in that book, and yada, yada, yada. And in the book, apparently, not apparently in the book, there's a photo of Prince Andrew taking a Photoshop, not Photoshop, but there's a photo of Prince Andrew and a young woman. And this young woman comes out and say, yo, Prince Andrew uh, did this with me. And, he, and I was underage at the time. Last year in 2020, 
that was a whole thing. Twitter was down. This whole thing it was a whole firestorm on Twitter saying, okay, where's Andrew at? Where's Andrew? He needs to answer for this. This was the whole Me Too movement. The whole deal was still on fire and everything else. But you didn't hear much about that with Prince Andrew. Prince Andrew jumped the freaking pond and he was back to England. And America still waiting for homeboy to come over here so they can question him for that. But apparently, England, since it is the royals, and again, the royals rule over England, you won't hear nothing about that. And they haven't heard nothing about that. I don't know what to say about that. I, the only thing I can say is this. Hey, yo, he dipped. It's just like uh, <laughs> Ryan Lochte. Whenever that whole thing over in, uh, I can't remember what year it was, either 2012 or 2016 with the Olympics, whenever he did something over in one of those countries, and he dipped out. And they were looking for him, but they were able to get his uh, swimming teammates that did, that I believe they were smacking down, tearing down, like, uh, wall, not walls, but uh, posters and everything else. And, but he was out of there. He was out of that mess. That's what Andrew did. Hey, yo, I got to dip. I got to go. I got to head back to England where I know I'm safe and I have my, my kingdom and my people will protect me over here. I'm pretty sure when Andrew got back, he had to face the music to his people and his countrymen and his family. And they probably asked him what happened. I'm not sure if he told them the truth. I'm not sure if he what was said. But one thing I do know is this. America's waiting for Andrew. Because when Andrew steps his foot back on American soil, somebody's going to be waiting. That's only if he hasn't already stepped his foot back on American soil right now. Nobody knows. Only he knows. And if he knows, somebody somebody else definitely knows. But that's only in Andrew's inner circle that knows. But that's all I got to say about Meghan Markle's situation. Meghan Markle and Prince Harry, I wish you guys all well. I don't think Meghan Markle uh, bullied the staff. But if they're going to call that bullying, I need them to keep that same energy. And I need them to call out uh, the queen, the her husband, uh, her son Charles, uh, their grandson William, uh, Kate. And I need them to call out Harry when he lived there. I need that. I need that energy. I need the same because we're just gonna call Megan. And Megan was only there for about what two years because they left in 2020. They were down in England legitimately for two years. And you mean to tell me she bullied you guys in two years? Imagine what you guys have had to deal with with Harry, William, uh, Charles when William married Kate. When you're dealing with the queen and her husband. I'm just saying I need that same energy thrown right back to them if you're throwing it all on Megan right now. And especially since she's over here in America, especially since she's pregnant right now, especially since she's black. And I don't like that they did that because she's willing to speak her mind and say, hey, yo, this is what happened to me in Buckingham Palace. I understand there's a code of, yo, what happens in the family stays in the family. But, yo, there's only so much that somebody can take. So, only so much that somebody can take before they snap. And Buckingham Palace didn't do anything to squash the British tabloids. I don't think they did enough 
you have the you have the newest addition into that family. You should try to protect her and let her know, hey, yo, this and that, blah, blah, blah. We'll try to do as much as we can to stop it. But that's all we can do. It actually show her that you guys actually tried to stop it. I don't think they did. But, I mean, yet again, let me get off my tangent with that. Um, I wish all the best for Meghan, Prince Harry, and also the royal family. And former employees that are saying this, keep that same energy. I want to hear you call out the rest of the royal family. I do. I don't think we're going to hear it. But prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. The next thing I want to get off my chest is I read a headline yesterday as I was doing more research and conducting about what I'm going to talk about today. It was also coming from Yahoo. It was a uh, topic. It was a uh, published thing that says a Florida school decided to confront complaints of racism until a diversity curriculum costs Angus. I believe they mean to say anger. This is a little subtext from the article. It says, founded in 1933, the Boles School serves pre-kindergarten through 12th grade students for a meager 12,000 to 29,000 per year. Students can also opt to live in one of four Florida campuses for the paltry sum of $59,310. Bolas is 78% white and 4.5% black, according to the National Center for Education Statistics. In June 2020, a, for, a group of former and current uh, Bolas black students published a list of demands for Bolas. Based on their experience at the school, the petition demanded the termination, of, termination or resignation of six faculty members, the banning of the Confederate flag, the acceptance of black hairstyles, a more diverse faculty, and zero-tolerance policy for racism. Now, I'm not sure what anybody needs to hear about this, but let me make this perfectly clear to you. When you're a 70, well, what did they read? A 70% white school and only 4.5% black, and you had to pay that much money, you want your voice to be heard expeditiously. As quick as possible, you want your voice to be heard to the mountaintop, especially since you're spending, well, I don't know, 12000 to 29000 per year. My gee, that is a lot of money, and that's a lot of money just to be spending from preschool to 12th grade. My people, by God, that's a lot. And, oh, my God, that's a lot. But here's another thing. According to the documents obtained by the root, the school's president, chairman of the board, and director of inclusion and diversity issued a joint letter announcing that they will create a diversity task force, hire more black faculty, and implement a more diverse curriculum by expanding diversity and inclusion promoting programming for faculty, students, and parents in all grade levels. Ladies and gentlemen, basically what this whole thing is trying to say is that they want their school to be more inclusive. They want their school to actually do its job and let black people be black. Stop trying to cut them down and get racism out of the school. But we're talking about Florida here. Florida is still a Republican state. Florida is still uh, Confederate flag heavy down there. 
what more is there else to say about this? It's pretty sad. I would think that people would know what the Confederate flag is all about. I would think people would know that, hey, yo, the Confederate flag need to go. I'm surprised that that is still a thing for people. And people might say, this is all, that's about my uh, parents and my, this is about my history. The Confederate flag is not good history, fam. It's not good history at all. The Confederate flag represents hatred. That's what the Confederate flag represents. The Confederate flag was the opposite flag of the American flag whenever the South decided to go away from America. That's why you had the Civil War. It was North versus South. That's what it was another thing that was about. It was about slavery. And the South had the flag of the Confederates. Well, America had a different flag, different from what it is now, but it was almost quite similar. But here's my thing. Why is that something that is hard for people to get out of their systems, the Confederate flag? It's not hard to get rid of. You throw it out of way. You burn it. You do something with it because you have the American flag. That's what you guys all represent, right? We're all Americans. We're all Americans. America, America. Well, we're all Americans. Guess what? You all have to be under one flag, don't you think? One flag. One nation. Under God. That's part of the Pledge of Allegiance. Yet again, that's another thing that I had to do all my life through public school. From pre-K all the way to 12th grade. Yet again, which is crazy. I think the Pledge of Allegiance should be taken out of schools. Because that is crazy. If you're pledging your allegiance, you have to stop and really think about that, especially in the climate that we're in now. But yet again, that's a whole different tangent for a whole different episode. Get the Confederate flag out of here in, in that school. Get that out of here. Get that out of there. And the acceptance of black hairstyles. Ladies and gentlemen, hair is hair. What is it with school systems trying to make black men cut their hair. If they have them in locks or dreads, let them have them in locks or dreads. For the love of God, you cannot tell them to cut their hair. For what? How can you tell them to cut their hair? That is their hair. That's ridiculous. Hey, uh, by the way, um, I'm going to need you to cut your hair. Cut them hair for what? What do you even cut my hair for? That is the kind of response I will be giving them, but since I'm a man that don't wear hair or like hair personally, I have I'm I like to cut my own hair. I like shaving my hair bald, ladies and gentlemen. That's me. Not every black individual likes to cut their hair. A lot of them likes to keep their hair trimmed up and keep it uh, with a fade or a low boy or something, but they still have hair on their head. And some people like to have braids. Certain people have like to have locks. Some people like to have dreads. Certain people like to have everything else in between with their hair. But that's their hair. Black people love their hair. That's just what it is. And white people, you guys love your hair too. So that's kind of crazy to me. How you going to tell black people to cut their hair and, and you can't accept their hairstyle while white people, for the love of God, you guys only got what? Like what? The long hair, put it in the man bun. Now you guys have been doing that for about a good couple of years now, putting it inside a man bun, 
and like the ponytail, the pink tails, the uh, pink tails that will have the braids on the end or the French braids. You guys will do all that. And we just look at it and accept it and be like, all right, cool, whatever, because we don't care about it. But somehow you look at our hair and say, by God, they need to cut it. Or, oh, my God, that hairstyle doesn't work with uh, the way the school represents itself. How can you and how dare you say that about somebody else's hair? My God, no. You got to let people be able to express themselves. As long as it's not a hateful expression, you should be good. And I don't believe wearing your hair either high and a fro and locks and braids and dreads with a fade, a low boy, or whatever somebody wants to do offends the school or offends anybody at all. I believe that's a cop-out. I believe you're trying to put uh, keep the struggle on black people. I think you're trying to just keep your thumb on on their necks, keep your knee on their necks, no, I, I know, I know that's insensitive, but it is what it is, the knee on the neck, ladies and gentlemen, I wasn't trying to say that's a reference to the George Floyd thing, but that's basically what it is, you're trying to kill black creativity, you're trying to kill that with these young black students, that's crazy, don't do that, don't do that at all, stop it, stop it, get some help, let them rock their hairstyles. Let them do what they do. So they're paying that much money for the love of God. Let them keep their hair. Get rid of the Confederate flag, my G. Stop it. It said in, in a January 26th letter to stakeholders, the school revealed a complete course revisal, announcing that they were that they weren't really about that, really about that not being racist life. They had literally found a solution to their problem because certain elements of the Pollyann curriculum created much anger amongst our community. The institution concluded that finding common ground and solution is not a quick fix and will take time. After careful consideration, explaining the board chair and the student president, we decided not to move forward with it and will explore other diversity institute you know, in Initiatives and resources we believe will strengthen bowling's and ensure that the school is a welcoming and supportive community for everyone. So what happened? Well, according to News 4 Jacks, on January 20th, six days before the school re-engaged, uh, re four wealthy donors emailed a letter to a group of 30 bowls uh, stakeholders, uh, all former chairmen of of the Bulls Board of Trustees, the letter condemned the school for responding to social agendas, requiring these agendas in our curriculum and telling our students to think, students how to think. The four horsemen of the anti-racist apocalypse told the school in no uncertain terms to stop tolerating this tolerance, BS, or else. Our goal should be unity, not promoting any subgroup based on religious belief, skin color, ethnicity, or sexual preference. Explain the old white men who don't want their grandchildren to unite with non-white, non-heterosexual children. This does nothing but breed division, not understanding. Which acts, which part of the curriculum compromised the school's mission? The white men did not respond. But school president Tyler Hodges insisted the former board chairman 
letter had had absolutely no bearing on our decision to change course on our curriculum implementation. Hodges said in an email response to News 4 Jax, the decision to pursue alternative enhancements to our curriculum was made weeks earlier. Members of faculty, staff, and members of our community had issues with various parts of the curriculum, including in such in some cases, its age appropriateness. However, one current student told the root that the racial atmosphere at Bowles has been rather pleasant recently. She acknowledges the school's past problems, but she couldn't recall a single incident that made her feel uncomfortable this year. But she had a great explanation for her racism fear free year at Bowles. I've been online a year now. The student told the root and it's a lot less stressful. She told them that it's a lot less stressful because she's online. When you're online, ladies and gentlemen, and when you're dealing with school online, guess what that does? You have your time dealing with virtual teacher on virtual. You're looking at a laptop. You're doing your work that's assigned to you. You have your scheduled time to show up to do your classes and have your time to do your work, and that's about it with virtual. You don't do much interacting with uh, current students that are in your classes unless you're do, probably doing a project and you be into a sub-unit uh, group uh, Zoom call with those uh, people that you're working with. And I don't know what else to tell you with that. That's how you get away from people that you don't really want to deal with. You don't really have to deal with people that you don't really have to deal with or really want to deal with. I like being home and doing my schoolwork because personally, I don't have to waste gas or driving from school and back. That's one uh, major thing that I like throughout this whole pandemic crisis. But that's just me. I never had to deal with like uh, racism at my college that I'm at now at CCU. I haven't had to deal with it. I've They've sent out emails whenever students have like pasted or posted up like racism posts, but I never see those posts. I just saw the last one that they did uh, sent us by having to apologize and um, because a not a school it's not a school affiliate, but the school kind of like promotes this uh, um, living facility that these students can do, but they're not affiliated with the school. And somebody hacked and hacked, and I use quotations for that, um, into their social media account. And they put up a, uh, this is a white community type deal. And CCU had to come out and put out a press release and saying, and uh, condemning, uh, condemning what they did, condemning, condemning that. And they're not promoting that uh, living quarters or that living facility on uh, their website and uh, thank you CCU for that personally I'm I don't live in no other uh, type of uh, living uh, situation where I'm around uh, people that don't uh, like black people I'm around people that hey they do their business I do mine we're good they they mind theirs I mind mine that's cool bang that's it we don't bother each other that's the way that's the way I live my uh life and that's the way that I am living. 
But back to the subject matter at hand. She isn't dealing with uh, going to see these people face-to-face. She's online. So that's a big A+. Now, she didn't say that um, how it would be, how a natural, how a school day is normally before online worked. I'm pretty sure she dealt with some racismness here and there. But I'm just saying, the whole general uh, topic of this thing was that um, the school is deciding not to fold to what these uh, kids are asking. and But they did decide to they're going to try to hire uh, more black faculty, more uh, people of color to that uh, school. But I don't think that's going to happen with a 70, what, 70-something percent of whites and only 4.5 of blacks. Yeah, I don't see that school system really like managing and like promoting and trying to include more people of color. If anything, they'll probably like get at best two uh teachers of color. And that's about it. That's my best guess. But more power to the kids that they try to um make a change for that school. And the school uh ultimately failed. So I hope that they uh, fix that problem down the line. Next topic at hand, it is George Floyd. Now, the George Floyd case. Now, coming out of this week with the whole George Floyd case, um, I found out that only one member of George Floyd's family is allowed to uh, be inside the courtroom as the case is going to be going and only one person of the murderer's family is allowed to be inside that courtroom but the thing is with that it's not going to you can't allow different people of that family to go into that courtroom so let me make this an example if i can be in that courtroom and then if my mom wants to go there i can switch out and say all right mom you go in and my mom can go in and sit in there. And then if she's tired, my father wants to go in there, he can go in there. It's basically a dance of musical chairs. We can swap out, bang, bang, just like an NBA or NFL team, like a sporting event, which is crazy when you think about it. But it's crazy that this case is doing that. And with it being such a high stake type case and all eyes are going to be on this case how do you not allow this family as a whole family unit to be into that courtroom I understand you don't want the whole uh, outburst in a court and all that type of stuff like pre uh, COVID and pre pandemic style where people would like just yell out if if they didn't get the verdict that they want and I think that's where we're leading to is basically slowly leading us and dog walking us saying hey yo, you might not get the verdict that you want so we're only going to give you one person inside that courtroom and then you have to uh, relay that news to your family member on the outside I think that's what they're slowly dog walking us to I don't like it I don't like it at all I think the whole family unit should be there have them a couple uh 
inches apart from each other as you would do and I and is attainable in a court. Do that. And you might want the media to be there. Yeah, you still can have the media be there, have one person working the cameras or one person sitting down taking the notes. Make that a part of the ruling for the case. You can still have the family member in there. The family should be allowed in there. As a whole family unit, as a whole family dynamic, this was big. This set off a whole Black Lives Matter of 2020 summer edition last year. So this should definitely be a main focal point in the next coming months whenever uh, this guy's the George Floyd case goes to trial. And when does it go to trial? Let me look that up for you for a minute. And it will be starting tomorrow, May 8th. That is whenever the trial will begin. George Floyd's case will be starting tomorrow, and they just let out that news that one person will be allowed in that courtroom at a time just this week. That's insane. I told you, they're slowly dog walking us and letting us know, yo, you guys might not be getting the uh, verdict that you want. He might walk free, which is crazy how if he walks free on this, I'm telling you, there's going to be no rest. You are going to see anarchy like you haven't seen before because you are the whole world, the whole entire world witnessed a man literally being on another man's neck for a long period of time as he was already subdued. Watch, I'm telling you, if he gets, if he doesn't face the maximum for this, it's not going to be good. If he's only in jail for, what, five years or even ten, that still ain't good. If he's not in there for life, for having to put his neck, putting his knee on George Floyd's neck for a long period of time, I promise you, I promise you now, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good. I'm telling you now, it's not going to be good. And speaking of another cop that's having situations now, let me get you back to the Amber Geiger case. She, there's now been a court date set for Amber Geiger appeal for the murder of Bolteen Jean. Now, if you don't remember, Amber Geiger in 2019 was sentenced to 10 years for killing her neighbor, Mr. Bolteen Jean. As he was sitting in on his sofa eating ice cream whenever this woman, this piece of ugh, came in and let off some shots on him. And she only comes to say, I thought this was my apartment. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Now, she has been sentenced to 10 years, but she, she didn't. Take this on the chin and say, you know what? I did this and let me just sit down and take it for what I've done. No, 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 no. She appealed this. And she is going to be fighting for this. And her court case for the judge to hear will be April 27th. Now, I don't know about y'all. And I'm just going to be completely honest here. How do you, and I mean this, how do you sleep at night killing somebody and then making an appeal to say, hey, yo, um, 
I didn't. I'm, I'm going to appeal that 10 year sentence. Matter of fact, you should have got longer. Let's be honest. 10 years. 10 years for killing somebody in his apartment who he was sitting down eating ice cream on his sofa. He was in his home. He did was doing nothing. He wasn't out here in the streets selling dope. He wasn't out here smacking women. He wasn't out here committing violence after violence. He wasn't out here. Nah. He was sitting down in his house eating ice cream, fam. He was sitting down in his house eating ice cream, probably in his night clothes. And she comes in and let off shots because she thinks this is her apartment, and he's an intruder. No, there's consequences to this. And she was given 10 years in 2019. And to cap it off, Botine Jean's brother wanted to give her a hug because he felt sorry for her. I have a personal problem with that because my character is all about loyalty and family. I feel that he backstabbed his brother by giving that woman, his brother's murderer, a hug and say, I forgive you. Now, back in the day when I was a child, when I would have problems with people that would get underneath my skin, my mother would hit, tell me that, Gerald, you need to forgive them because it's not for you. It's not for them. It's for you. You forgive them is for you. It's all about you to get better and overcome this. And that, and let me preface this by saying that was on little things. Like somebody uh, made me upset. Somebody called me a name at school or something like that. Or uh, somebody trying to just like bother me or something like that. That is what that was. Not physically assault or murder. Try to murder me. Like this woman ending up killing a man that was in his own apartment and did nothing. He did nothing wrong. But, hey, she was given 10 years and a nice little smugly, dugly hug from her victim's brother. He betrayed his brother by giving her a hug, and I mean that. I would like to have a I would like to have a conversation with him and really question him. Why did he do that, and does he regret giving her a hug now because she is now appealing that ten years, which she should have gotten more because by God, you, you uh, that's my whole feeling on her with that, and oh my God. How do you, how dare you do that? Man, I will shoot her every day and twice on a Sunday, a.k.a. wound her on a Monday, wound her on a Tuesday, wound her on a Wednesday, wound her on a Thursday, wound her on a Friday, wound her on a Saturday, and then kill her twice on a Sunday. And on these Sundays, I wouldn't miss the shot. That's if I was given the opportunity to do that, and if we were in the purge. And the purge lasted about, I'll say, about a week, a week or two. That's just if I was given the opportunity and we were in a purge situation. But since I am a civilian, and since I have so much respect for myself and my family, I won't do that. 
But George Zimmerman is on site, dog. I ain't gonna front. It's on site. I'm gonna sock you in the face when I see you. And I'm gonna try to brutalize and hurt you as much as I can on site. That's what I'm gonna say for George Zimmerman. I'm tired of black people getting hurt and killed out here and no action, no nothing being taken upon these people. And you just think either throwing some money to us is going to help that. That's not helping at all. That is making it worse because you're just making it seem like, hey, yo, we can kill this person. Throw some money to the family. They'll be all right. Nah, we want our family member back or we want an eye for an eye. But that never happens. I'm just saying that never happens. We all know it. America knows it. Yet again, I go back to it again. America is not built for black people. Black people built America because we were beaten and just brutalized to do it. But now since we're no longer beaten and brutalized in the slavery way, we've been beaten and brutalized now in prison to constantly break down the black man and black woman's psyche to make us think that we're worse than every other person inside the prison. We are the worst, we are the lower form of humans, which is complete wrong and utter trash. It's not true at all. Anybody that's black that's listening to me right now, the sound of my voice, we are not the lowest form. We are greater than what they perceive us. We are greatness. We are greatness personified. We are great. We are kings and queens. That has been proven. And it will continue to be proven. Let it be known right now. You're hearing it from G2, Gerald Garrett's mouth. We are kings and queens. Don't you ever forget that. We are kings, queens, princes, and princesses. Prince and princesses. Let me say that again. King, queen, Prince and princesses, we come from royalty back in Africa. That is where our bloodline stems from. And just because we're not in Africa now, that doesn't mean that we cannot acknowledge where our ancestors came from and where our whole bloodline goes from. We're kings, queens, princes, and princesses, ladies and gentlemen. Don't you ever forget that. That's coming from Gerald Garrett G2. And white people, you guys got to start holding police officers accountable for killing black people. You guys saying that you're for the cause. Do more. Whenever a person that's in your family is a cop, I need you to question them and see where their eyes and see where their hearts lie when it comes down to black issues and people that don't look like them. I need you to question their motives. Why do you guys kill black people? Why do you guys harass black people the way that you do? Get those type of questions into the people that are in your family that work in law, that are law, <clears throat> that are police officer, officers that work in the law. Get those type of questions to them and see what those answers, their answers are. You need to see where they truly lie. Are they really trying to protect and serve their community as they're deemed to do? Or are they just trying to get rid of black people because they've been black people have been stereotyped so much and they have actually bought into that stereotype of black people? People, black people, white people, Hispanics, uh, or Asian. Anybody else, I don't care who you are. If you have family members that are law uh, officers, 
police officers, the chiefs, anything that work in the police department, you need to question them and see where their head lies, see where their heart lies. In this Black Lives Matter movement, you need to see where their heart lies whenever a person gets killed by an officer. You need to see where their heart in their their heart lies. Is it behind the badge or is it in front of human decency and human dignity? Because the police, at the end of the day, is supposed to protect and serve. And I'm not sure, are they protecting and serving just the whites? Or they're just having some fun in their own sick and twisted way and just killing black people? Because that's what's being shown every single day. And people are going to hit me with and say, Joe, well, people... That are not just black are getting killed. Well, you got Hispanics are being locked up. You got the uh, whites that are being locked up and killed by police officers too. That might be the case. But why is that whenever it's... Why don't we ever see it? Every time we see something heinous by officers killing somebody, it's who? It's always blacks, individuals. It's always us. It's never whites. Matter of fact, down here, I'm not sure how many years ago it was. I'll probably give it like, ooh, probably 17, 16. Hold on, let me look this up for a minute. In October 3rd, 2018, two police officers were killed in Florence, South Carolina. Now, this made national head news. Fred, uh, Frederick Hopkins and Seth Hopkins were the people were the two white individuals that ended up killing the two officers and <laughs> the officers then was Sergeant Terrence Carraway who was 52 and a 30 year uh, vet of the Florence Police Department and an investigator Farrah Turner she was 36 years old and a 12 year veteran on the Florence County Sheriff's Office now for people that don't know this and I remember this at the time because I was shocked by this. They were supposed to grab the suspect from his house. They usually... No, 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 no. They were going to conduct a... Um, you know how people would go down to the police station and conduct an interview with them and ask them all these questions and all that. They were really going down there to ask them questions about the son, uh, Seth Hopkins, because Seth Hopkins, uh, he was charged with sexual assault and they were going to just go down there and talk to him. Usually, usually have people, go down to the precinct and get all the information that you need out of them one way or another that you can't get or unless they don't talk and you ain't got none of them and they usually walk out. First 48 talk uh, teaches you everything about that, baby. Um, First 48. I hate that. I hate that show, but it's so insightful and informative for you. But anyway, let me get to my point here. The officers went down there and the father... Frederick Hopkins start opening fire at the officers, and I mean, just start lighting them up. Ending result is two of the officers uh, end up dying. Terrence Carraway and Farrah Turner 
and some other people were injured in the process. But these two guys, they're still living. Now, if it was black individuals, it would have all been a whole shot gun shootout and everything else. And them and them would have got shot up. There'll be no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They would have been gone. So my ultimate question is, leading back to that, if you have law in your household, you need to ask them about that situation. Why were those two picked up and not killed when it was a whole complete shootout? While if, on the other hand, if it was a black P individuals that did this, or even Hispanic individuals that did this, what the ending result would have been. And we all know, as Americans, and I'm going to use that term real loosely, as Americans, as people that live in America, that's my correct uses of this word, Americans, people that live in America, and we have seen what happens in the news coverage every single day, if that would have been his people of Hispanic uh language skills and the color of a of a Hispanic uh person or a black person that incident would have been completely different those those two would have been up being dead Fred Drick Hopkins and Seth Hopkins would have been dead on the spot after they would have got done letting off that would have straight have just been nothing but a gun shootout but you would have ended up with two officers dead and those two suspects dead as well that's all I got to say about that. Remember, keep in mind again, I want you to question anybody that's a police officer in your family. What would happen if those suspects were black or even Hispanic? What would happen? Just saying. Now, let me get to this whole Bachelor deal with Chris Harrison. The Bachelor. Chris Harrison, he's been with The Bachelor. He was the host of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. And he was uh, protecting um, a contestant from her bad choices that what she made um, some before she got on the show. And it was a Rachel Kirk Cornell, I believe. That's her name, Rachel Kirk Cornell. Anyway, Chris uh, Harrison uh, went on extra with a former uh, Bachelor contestant who ended up marrying her uh, Bachelor uh, Rachel Lindsay, uh, she was the first uh, black bachelorette. Sorry, she was the bachelorette. And she was on extra talking to Chris. And Chris was trying to uh, justify what Kirk Connell, Rachel Kirk Connell, did. And he, the famous uh, line, and I'm paraphrasing this, what well, not, not the famous line. She went to an antebellum party uh back some years ago and it comes out and now people are mad she's even gotten this far on the bachelor. How did people not know about this before she got on the bachelor and all this type of things? People, I think they know about it. I just think they just don't, like, dig so much into it. I think they just, like, give a couple months of photos on somebody's Instagram or in their back catalog of tweets. They don't go all the way back. Let me give you a little insider uh, alert. I don't think that they go as far back as what they should. They should go back (laughs) 
from the very beginning when they got on a social media platform. Go back to their MySpace pages if they had them. Go back to their Twitter whenever they first got on Twitter and go to their whenever they first got back on Instagram to see what they tweeted out and posted up on Twitter, posted up on Instagram, posted up even on their MySpace. Any type of social media uh, account that they have, whenever you join a uh, show, I believe the producers need to do a thorough background check, and that's what didn't happen here. They didn't do a thorough one, and this is what happened. The Bachelor screwed themselves. Let me just get back to my point here. Chris here, Chris was talking to Rachel Lindsay, and Rachel Kirkendall went to an antebellum party that is a Southern thing. It's talking about it was a bad thing because, well, anything dealing with the South has some type of history with uh, slavery, and antebellum party is a slavery-type party-type deal. And during this conversation, Chris told Rachel, I think Rachel asked him, oh, isn't this a bad look for Rachel Kirkendall and Chris Harrison, and I'm paraphrasing what he's saying here. He say, is it a bad look um, back in that year frame, or is it a bad look now in 2021? And Rachel Lindsay told him, no, it's a bad look, period. It's just a bad look, simply, period. And she hit him with the famous quote, if I were to be at that party, what would I be depicted as? And we all know Rachel Lindsay is a black woman, and if she went to that party, she probably would have been a slave or even a uh, worker, a slave worker, dressed up as a slave worker in this antebellum-style party deal. Chris Harrison looked like a complete douchebag in this whole interview, which led to him having to step away from the franchise. He's going to be coming back after he gets through his whole little... Uh, community service deal that he's doing with the whole black community with a uh, Michael Eric Dyson, uh, black uh, scholar. Um, I don't really care about this. I think he should just be off the show after you screwed up so bad like that. I mean, we haven't seen Paula Dean on the air so much. You'll see her from time to time, and she said the N word for love of God. My man out here. You screwed up, dog. You went on national thing, and it's covering all throughout this whole entire week. And he was on Good Morning America talking to Michael Strahan. And boy, was he dancing around Michael Strahan's questions. Michael Strahan would ask him a simple uh, yes or no question. He was saying, I was wrong in what I did. I'm so sorry, and this and that. Michael Strahan would ask him, Ayo, why did you end up defending Rachel Kirkinell? He says, I was wrong in what I did. He's like a robot. He was giving and fed these automatic answers to respond to Strahan's questions. I was upset watching. I was like, all right, man, come on. You got to at least answer something with something. You got to answer for this. But he didn't. And that's what sucked about that interview. I thought that whole interview completely sucked. Well, you all know this is just trying to repair his image to the world and say that he made a bad judgment call and yada, yada, yada. I'm trying to work on myself. Maji, how can you say you're trying to work on yourself when you just said, what, a week ago? This whole situation, a week or two weeks ago? And now, all of a sudden, oh my God, I got to work on myself. Because this is what's going on. No, you you meant to say that. You were being a dick. You were being a dick to Rachel Lindsay on extra when you said these type of things you can say it when you when you said it bro 
Slavery is wrong, period. No if as a but. America knows slavery is wrong. Children know slavery is wrong. Teenagers know slavery is wrong. Adults know slavery is wrong. Grandparents know slavery is wrong. People in other countries can come over here in America, read a textbook of history, and see slavery, and they will say, oh my God, that crap was so messed up, and yada, yada, yada. Everybody across the world knows slavery is wrong, and my man over here decides to not straight up say, hey, yo, this party was wrong. She did this when she was young. She would just, I believe she was focused on a party. I don't know what, why, what, or what happened on this. It was a, it's a bad look. Something like that, but he was, but he didn't say that. He was sounding like a complete dickhead on national television. This is exactly what he gets for that. Pick your words wisely next time, homie. You know what to say. You know what you should have said in that situation. You know what he's like, we're supposed to say. But he's going to go through his whole uh, sensitivity training, and he's going to know what to say next time so he won't have to step back from the franchise as he's doing now for whenever he does jump back in. Ta-da! I'm a change man. Everybody, please forgive me. And since we, the black community, we forgive everybody forever devilish devilly dastardly thing that they do to us we keep on forgiving giving out second chances to everybody i don't i don't do it at all you screw me once and you screw me back screw you bruh you only get one time with me bro if you screw me you're donezo you're done see there's a difference between me knowing somebody is a dickhead and me deciding to deal with this dickhead and me not knowing you're a dickhead and then you end up becoming a dickhead. See, if I'm chilling with a dickhead, I know he's going to make dickhead comments. I know he's going to do dickhead things. So I expect that out of that dickhead. But if I'm chilling with you and you're a nice person, you're a swell guy and everybody's saying all these nicely things about you and then somehow you do a dickheady, dickheaded Thing, you're going to be taken aback like, yo, what was that all about? That's just what it is. And that's what happened with this guy, Chris Harrison. That's what happened. He ended up showing off his true colors of being a complete dickhead in this exact situation where he ended up, when he, he could have just said, she screwed up. I don't know why, why she did that back in the day. She was just, she was young. There's no excusing it. There's no excusing that type of behavior. We'll try to do better. Something like that. But now he went the he went the dickhead route. So now he's doing the sensitivity training. And he'll come back later and say, Ta-da, I'm back. Forgive me, please. We all need to have our mistake. We all do mistakes. And I'm here to admit that I made a mistake. And can you please forgive me? And black people are going to say, Okay, cool, we can forgive you. Yeah, whatever. On to my next topic. States letting up on mask ordinance, there are states that are now letting up the mask orders. And the states right now are Texas, Mississippi. Those are the two states that are lifting the statewide mask orders. For Texas, uh, the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, 
announced Tuesday he's lifting the statewide mask mandate even as health officials warn not to ease uh, safety restrictions. He also said businesses of any type will be allowed to reopen at 100% capacity beginning March 10th. Some of the cities have declared they will continue requiring masks when in public. So that's just what that is. Mississippi, the governor, Tate Reeves, issued a order Tuesday that removed all of our uh, county's mask mandates and allowed businesses to operate at full capacity while state imposed rules or restrictions. Some other states that are following the tagline here, but haven't fully like decided like there'll be no mask is Louisiana. It says as of Wednesday, most businesses and restaurants will be allowed to increase capacity at 75%, and there will be no restrictions on religious services. Michigan on Friday, March 5th, restaurants can open at 50% capacity from up to 25%. Kentucky, uh, their governor said many businesses can increase capacity to 60%, including barbershops, hair salons, bars and restaurants, bowling alleys, fitnesses, fitness centers, movie theaters, and government offices. Pennsylvania, out-of-state restrictions were lifted and maximum uh Maximum occupancy was raised to 15% for indoor gatherings and 20% for outdoor gatherings. Hmm. Uh, here's, let me list all some other states that uh, don't have no mask mandates. They are Alaska, Arizona, Florida, Georgia, Idaho, Mississippi, Missouri, Nebraska, Oklahoma, South Carolina, South Dakota, and Tennessee. Hmm. Hmm. And here's something I'm about to read to you right now. A bill in North Dakota that will ban mask mandates by state and local officials, schools, and businesses has passed the state's House of Representatives and is awaiting a vote in the Senate. Some businesses, including AT&T, have criticized it as overly broad, saying it will require them to admit unmasked people in their stores and offices, even if that violates their own store, not store, but own policy. What it basically trying to do is Ladies and gentlemen, people are trying to let go of these masks. I don't know what to tell you. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a person that uh, works in that field of medicine. I am just a civilian, just like every single one of you. And what I can tell you right now is I'm going to continue to wear the mask when I go out to these stores and when I go out to get some clothing or after I go out and have to get um and pick up my uh whatever I got to do at a grocery store or whatever I got to do I will continue to wear a mask I'm not gonna walk out here without a mask especially with corona still out here and even though we have the vaccine I'm not taking the vaccine nobody's gonna make me take this vaccine for the love of god we just had a whole thing of 2020 of being inside the house. And the only thing they told you to do was wear a mask out here and keep six feet away from each other. And now a year later, we come up with a vaccine that's supposed to take care of this corona problem. When throughout all this time now, we still do not have a solution to cure AIDS and cancer. That's what you're going to try to tell me. We have a cure or a step towards finding out, finding a solution 
for this COVID mess, but we don't have a cure for AIDS or cancer. Matter of fact, Gerald, you forgot, love of God, you forgot. They found the <laughs> they found the cure for cancer and AIDS. But here's the deal. Let me let y'all in on something. They have the cure, but it's only for the high one percenters. And even then, sometimes that medicine still doesn't work. All that to be said is we now have a vaccine that can particular that can in their words, try to lower the uh, numbers of people getting COVID-19. I don't know what else I can tell you. I know I'm not taking the vaccine. You guys can go ahead and take that vaccine. I'm not condemning it. Shoot, it might be the real deal, for all I know. I'm just saying for me, Gerald Garrett G2, I'm not taking this vaccine. I'm going to be wearing this mask on my face. I'm going to be doing what I feel that I need to do until I feel calm and safe within my own psyche to want to take this vaccine. That's me. I'm not going to disparage this vaccine at all. Do your thing. If you want to take it to make yourself feel good about it and uh, follow CDC in these uh, job uh, requirements, go ahead and do it. I'm not hating on you. You go ahead and do it. I'm just speaking for one person, and I'm going to speak for me. I'm not taking this uh, vaccine uh, shot at all. More power to anybody. I will be praying for you, and you know, I hope you be praying for me as well. And uh, Meanwhile, throughout this whole pandemic, we all still got to go through it all together. Um, but let me get back to the state's uh, ending mass laws. And I don't get it. I don't. Get it? I'm not in these high level positions where these people are probably getting some uh, news that I am not privy to, that the rest of us are not privy to. I don't know what their idea is of doing this. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know why they're doing this. Just because you see numbers coming that that are showing that the whole issue of people catching and getting COVID-19 is starting to slow down. That doesn't mean, okay, by God, let's start reopening things and start. No, 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 no. You got to wait. If you're going to do it, I like that certain, I like that certain states are opening it up slowly. Michigan, it said the restaurants now open up at 50% capacity compared to 25. Uh, I like the Kentuckys doing it. Uh, businesses can increase capacity to 60%. I mean, do you, you got to slowly do this. Pennsylvania. Um, maximum capacity was raised to 15% for indoor gatherings and 20% for outdoor gatherings. I'm saying take this one step at a time. Don't make this big leap like, okay, now we're going to reopen. Yay! Like Texas is doing. Anybody lives in Texas, I really hope that you guys continue to be safe out there. I don't know if you guys got electricity back. I hope you guys do. Um, but you guys have been through <laughs> you guys been through some for these past couple weeks. And now this week, you guys are gonna have to be dealing with you everything being reopened to 100 percent capacity again. 
I hope you guys are uh, safe out there in Texas. Please keep your prayers for Texas. Uh, keep your prayers just in general for everybody throughout this uh, world right now. So, I just, it, it's just crazy to me. I, I wish everybody uh, nothing but um, success. I wish nobody no harm. In there, I just want everybody, everybody to be safe. That's why. That's all the humane part in me, not the cynical guy. That not the guy that's just going to be ranting and raving and saying, ah! "No, I'm just here as a guy that just wants everybody to succeed." So, please, for the love of God, just be safe out there. If you're listening to me in Texas, please be safe. Be cautious. Take care of yourself. That's where it comes down to at the end of the day. Take care of yourself. I just want these numbers to drop so we all can go back to pre-COVID and now even after COVID things that we have learned to do in this whole uh, pandemic environment. Like me picking up how to do a podcast, me cutting up uh, sound bites, me knowing when to put sound bites in, me knowing how to mix things in. That's a thing. Now, whenever this whole pandemic thing is over, I'm able to say, hey, I've done this throughout this whole uh, pandemic. But that's me going on another tangent. I just want things to get back to where it was before pandemic or season, (laughs) pandemic year, because it's about to be a whole full year since uh, I've been locked down. But that's just me. Now, let me get to the piece of resistance. Cuomo, Andrew Cuomo, Cuomo, Cuomo. Now, if you don't know about Andrew Cuomo, he is the governor of New York City, and throughout, uh, for the for about a week or two, women have been coming out saying that he uh have some sexual advances towards them, and they have now uh, had some sexual uh, harassments allegations towards Andrew Cuomo. And he, uh, I believe now is about three women now all together have said, nope, no, right here. And this is coming from NPR News. And it's the headline is embarrassed. Andrew Cuomo apologized, but won't resign over sexual harassment allegations. And it reads, in his first press briefing, since three women came forward with claims of sexual harassment, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo apologized for acting in a way that made people feel uncomfortable, but denied touching anyone inappropriately and said he would not resign. New York's Attorney General is conducting an investigation into the sexual harassment allegations, which was raised, oh uh, no, not raised, raised in the past week by former by two former aides and a woman who met Cuomo at her wedding. Cuomo, who is facing mountains, calls to resign. Uh. <laughs> No, 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 reiterated that he would fully com- cooperate with the, that investigation and asked New Yorkers to wait for the full report before forming an opinion. I fully support a woman's right to come forward, and I think it should be encouraged in every way, Cuomo said. I now understand that I acted in a way that made people feel uncomfortable. It was uninitial- unintentional, and I truly and deeply apologize for it. I feel awful and awful about it, and frankly, I am embarrassed. And that's not easy to say. 
He said he that he would not resign, adding that he was elected to serve New Yorkers in that the state has a full plate. If you didn't hear what he said, he basically said this. You know what? I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. Cuomo is not going to be stepping down from his position as New York's governor after the three women, Lindsay Bullen, she was a former uh, economic advisor in his administration who described a non-consensual kiss in touching from the governor and that a culture that not only condoned but expected sexual harassment and bullying. His second uh, accuser was Charlotte Bennett. She told New York Times that while they were in there alone in his office, Cuomo had asked her a series of invasive personal questions, including whether she ever had sex with older men. And the third woman that came out was Anna Roach. She came forward with a third allegation. She says she met Cuomo during a wedding reception in September 2019 and that he had put his hand on her bare lower back. And after she pointed pointedly moved his hand away, placed his hands on her cheeks and asked if he could kiss her. A photograph of the interaction with his hands on her face was published in the New York Times and has circulated widely. Ladies and gentlemen, that photo, I've seen it. And let me tell you right now, that looks weird. I mean, it's already weird enough that he had... Uh, <laughs> if you look at the photo, she looks shocked that he has his hands on her face. It, it doesn't look, let me say it right now, it doesn't look too good if that was a consensual kiss or something like that. That doesn't look too good. Just looking at that photo. If you don't know the photo, just search up Andrew Cuomo uh, in this woman's name. You should, it should pop up right up on Google in the images. And it doesn't look good whenever you ask somebody especially when you're alone in your office with somebody and that person asks you, have you ever had sexual relations with an older person that's around basically their age frame? That's not a good look. That's not a good look for any age at all. That's like me asking one of my college professors if I'm alone with them in a Zoom chat, something uh, sexual or perverse about them. Have they ever done this or done this with a school, with a uh Student, that's inappropriate. You don't do that, bro. You don't do that at all. That's just, that's not the way. But there's always uh, two sides. There's three sides of every story. There was his, there's his version, her version, and then there's the truth. A mixture, a combination of both stories. But you got to know that person. You got to know both persons to really dissect what did actually happen in that room, but nobody will ever truly know except those two people in that room. But each person might have a different interpretation of what happened. But I'm not here to say if he did do it or if he didn't do it. Only thing I know is that he's not stepping down from his spot as the governor of New York at all. I know for one thing, he should probably take like, a leave of absence. I don't know what type of procedures go through that for you take a leave of absence and you're the governor of a state. I'm not sure what happens with that faction in that fashion of manner. I don't know what happens. I don't know that you need to step down or do something. 
But he's not doing it. He's not he's not stepping away from this at all. Uh his brother, who works for CNN, has uh put out a statement on live television. He let the people know that he knows of the allegation that's going on and he can't uh cover it because it would be um what is it? What is it called? What is it called? What is it called? Good God. Um a conflict of interest. There it is. A conflict of interest because, well, that's his brother and that's and he loves his brother. He stated it. That'll be a cause of conflict of interest and that's his brother and he loves his brother. So he can't cover that case, cover that situation while other people on CNN are covering it. He wanted to let people know that up front so people wouldn't be wondering on social media, why aren't you covering this? Why aren't you covering your brother? Well, he let everybody know, point blank, uh, it's a conflict of interest, and I can't cover that because that's my brother. And I respect that. I don't watch CNN, I don't watch none of these uh, shows like that, but I respect that he came out and let his uh, audience know that, hey, yo, I'm not trying to run away from it, I just can't cover it because that's my brother. And I respect it, I really do. But, um, I will try to keep everybody in touch of what's happening with this Cuomo situation as much as I can and I'm pretty sure throughout this week this upcoming week um, we will find out more about this whole situation but here's my two cents on this uh, matter I think Andrew Cuomo needs to just sit back and let the investigation happen and if it comes to find out that he did do something wrong. Yo, you got to step down, my G. But he's doing what he deems right to that for himself. He's not stepping down, and I'm not a proponent. I mean, we've seen throughout this whole Me Too thing, people who have stepped down from projects that they're doing because somebody says something about them. So I'm used to now seeing people step down or step away from projects that they were doing or they were planning on doing. So for Cuomo not to step down is shocking but it's not too shocking, if you will. So, that's my whole deal on that. I believe that Cuomo should just let the investigation happen, but in the meantime, probably be in the background. Don't say nothing. Don't do nothing until everything has been said and done. Now, that is all my headline, big stylistic talking points I need to get to. Now, let me get to my wrestling highlights of the week. And now to start it off, the big capstone, Bobby Lashley. He has now been crowned WWE champion. Monday Night Raw was basically a whole Raw show trying to get Bobby Lashley in The Miz to have their match. It was supposed to happen at 9 o'clock. The Miz said that his stomach hurts, so he had to postpone it until 10 o'clock. And then when 10 o'clock happened, The Miz had his match, but as soon as the bell rung, he jumped out of the ring, grabbed the championship, went to the back, got counted out to a uh, count out. So the match technically did happen, but Bobby Lashley wasn't happy about that. So him and his manager slash business advisor, MVP, went to talk to Shane McMahon, and Shane McMahon ended up giving Bobby Lashley a match later that night against The Miz in a lumberjack match, and The Miz got dominated by Lashley, and Lashley took the title off The Miz real easily. And now this is the third black man 
to hold the WWE Championship. The first one was The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. The second one was Kofi Kingston, who won it off of Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 35. And now we are Bobby Lashley, who took it off The Miz after The Miz only held it for uh, a week. So there's that. Um, in other WWE highlight news, Finn Balor will be going against Adam Cole next week on NXT. Well, this upcoming episode of NXT for the... NXT Championship. Uh, Io Shirai will be going against Tony Storm for the NXT Women's Championship. And there's been rumors speculating that NXT Women Division is supposed to be getting new uh, tag belts. I'm not not tag belts, but more championships down there. I'm not sure if that's the case. I don't think that should be the case. I think that the NXT Women that are tag team should do the whole tag team deal and then jump up to the main roster and like sporadically jump around and try to challenge for the women's tag team titles since the women's tag team titles can be defended on Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. Since you have that big open gap, just have them flying from every single uh, every single show to do that and just have those have women from, to have a tag woman from tag team from NXT go over to Raw and fight uh, or have comp, a wrestle to tag a woman tag team on Raw, something of that magnitude, something like that. I don't think that the uh, NXT women's division need to have more tag team belt, not tag belts, but more belts or championships at all because right now they don't have that many uh, women out there that actually can prove themselves and do stuff. So I believe that they should just um, fuse just the women that are a tag team into the main thing with the rest of the other women from Raw and SmackDown, just have them in the mix and join on Raw, join on SmackDown and have the Raw, uh, some Raw tag team from the women tag team and some SmackDown women tag team go down to NXT and just have a big jumble up type of deal and just get it done that way. And that even allows certain women that are even in a tag team to go after certain championships. Just have basically a free-for-all for the women because the women need it. You got a whole lot of dudes. That's why the dudes are able to be separated on different brands. And that's the way why that that's the reason why that works. But the women, not so much. You get highlighted certain women here and there. Like on Raw right now, they're highlighting Asuka and they're highlighting Charlotte Flair right now. They're not really highlighting Peyton Royce, who has nothing to do since her tag partner Lacey Evans is now pregnant. Real life pregnant. Um you have on um, Naomi and Lana, who are supposed to be in line for a women's tag team title opportunity next since now Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez didn't get the job done technically this week on NXT because they got screwed out of the way because their referee uh, got hit and uh, Adam Pierce, who was a Raw and SmackDown, like, type general manager, came down to NXT and had his referee there, and uh, Shayna Baszler had Dakota Kai in the, uh, a chokehold and basically submitted her out. And that's just a whole big conspiracy itself in that storyline aspect. But anyway, you should allow the women to just be in a big old jumbo pot and just let them go about their business because they need to have that experience. Go jump around from here, 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 here. And that gives them a whole lot of, that gives the women a whole big diverse of opportunities out there. Uh, another 
highlight for WWE and technically wrestling as a whole. Um, Randy Orton got into a whole social media beef with Soldier Boy because Soldier Boy tweeted out that the rap game is uh, more faker than wrestling. And you had WWE wrestlers uh, coming at Soldier Boy, but the most one that was really having a heated back and forth thing on Twitter was Randy Orton. Randy Orton said that a Soldier Boy had his Soldier Boy was cool and all in 2005 when he had his big pop, but WWE. But for you to say wrestling is fake, it's not fake. For what you for what you for claiming that what I do is fake is not not completely authentically true. We are stuntmen that are able to do these things 200 some odd days, 200 days or somebody big, large number of days out of the whole entire year. You can look up the tweet if it's still up there. But anyway, he was basically telling Randy, he was basically not Randy. Randy Orton was basically telling Soldier Boy that, yo, we're the most toughest people that you will ever meet in your life. We're more tougher than you. And Soldier Boy was still just basically saying, hey, yo, this thing, wrestling, I still stand by my statement. Wrestling is fake. Come at me. And... You can look up the whole thing. It was a big. It was. I read it. It was. I had nothing but pure joy when I saw that. I was like, all right, this is another person to say wrestling's fake. All right, wrestling is predetermined. Yes, everybody. It's an adult, and everybody's just a teenager watching it. And I'm pretty sure the kids are getting it, getting on it as well as a kid. I wasn't trying to hear somebody try to tell me, hey, yo, you know WWE's fake, right? I would try to defend. It's like, nah, nah, nah. And I would knew that it was fake, but like, come on, dog, you gotta let me, you gotta let me enjoy what I enjoy. I wasn't trying to hear somebody say that, but now I can hear somebody say, "Yo, you know, you watch WWE, you know, it's so fake." Well, now my response will be, "Well, it's predetermined, not fake." You see, all these people go through so many surgeries. Yes, they don't always connect when they hit, when they do punches and kicks, because that's their job. But whenever you get slammed on the ring, or you have to go through tables, or you have to take some chair shots to the back, or you do some extreme type uh, situation. That's not fake. You get hurt. There's a way you can get hurt doing professional wrestling. So to say that it's fake, no. To say that it is predetermined, that's the correct word I believe people need to be using. Professional wrestling is predetermined. Yes, it is. And I stand by that 100%. If somebody were to tell me that, you know, you know, wrestling predetermined, yes. But let me enjoy what I enjoy. Yeah, I believe personally we saw referees take uh, bets on sporting events. And you mean to tell me that's not rigged? You mean to tell me boxing, some boxing events aren't rigged, some boxing uh, exhibitions aren't risk? Uh, not not rigged, risk, but rigged? You mean to tell me some MMA fights aren't rigged? You mean to tell me that? But that's a whole different can of worms if you start going to that, because if you go through that, down, deep down that rabbit hole, we can have a long conversation with it. But I don't think people want to do that. So let people enjoy what they enjoy and don't be a dick. If somebody likes professional wrestling, let them be. Somebody likes NFL, let them be. Somebody likes basketball, let them be. If you like anything, you like what you like. Don't be a dickhead. <sighs> now, what else happened in professional wrestling news? Uh, Paul White, the former WWE's uh, former big show, showed up on AEW and he announced that uh, tonight, on AEW Revolution that AEW will be signing a Hall of Fame worthy uh, superstar. And it's not somebody that we think. Who is it? 
I have no idea who it is. Social media is going to buzzing saying it might be CM Punk, but CM Punk has denied joining professional wrestling for years and professional wrestling fans for years have been clamoring for CM Punk to come back. CM Punk had an opportunity to join AEW when AEW started in 2019, but he didn't want to do it then. I'm pretty sure he doesn't want to do it now. I mean, you got... Rand, not Randy, but um, Rob Van Dam, who could probably be in it because he's not in Hall of Fame yet, but he has a Hall of Fame worthy career. Um, you have Christian, who, oh, if you go by social media and rumors, he's a free agent, just like the Big Show, aka Paul White, was a free agent when he didn't re up with WWE. So Christian can go to AEW. I mean, there's a whole plethora, but I believe AEW should have lead off with Paul White saying that AEW at Revolution, AEW has signed, I'm going to let you know that AEW has signed somebody big that's coming over, and that should have been it, and let the internet have a big um, social media buzz about it, because now AEW has to deliver on this signing, because if this person is not a Hall of Fame worthy uh wrestler you're gonna have a whole lot of backlash on it just like when WWE had backlash in 2016 whenever they debuted their universal title they hyped up this new belt for a couple of weeks and then whenever SummerSlam happened and it was supposed to be Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor for this new championship and you just basically debuted the WWE championship with a different uh strap it was instead of a black strap is a red strap, the whole arena booted, and I mean booted out the joint. You had to the point that Seth Rollins tweeted out that he was disappointed in Brooklyn because they were giving, they crapped on an uh, incredible match because they didn't like the design of a belt. You set yourself up so high that you can easily get knocked down if it's not to what people expect when you put these type of labels on something. So I would have just had Paul White come out and say, AEW has signed somebody, a major star, to AEW. And you will see this star at Revolution and just cap it off there. Not a Hall of Fame-worthy competitor because you now got the bar so high that wrestling fans are thinking, Oh my God, it could be this person. Oh my God, it could be that person. But if it's not any of these people that people really want, that the media, uh, the wrestling community really want, you doomed yourself. You put yourself behind the eight ball, ladies and gentlemen. And I hope AEW didn't do that. Um, What else? Oh yeah, Shaquille O'Neal. He had a match this week on AEW Dynamite. It was him and Jay Cargill going against Cody and Red Velvet. It was a mixed tag team match. And if you don't know what a mixed tag team match is, Man versus man, woman versus woman. If Cody tags in his partner, Red Velvet, and Shaq's in the ring, Shaq has to get out the ring and let Jay Cargill go against the woman. It's plain and simple. You got woman versus woman, man versus man. Shaq did pretty good in the match. He did well. Cody was able to lead him in the match because, well, Shaq doesn't know what he was. Shaq is not a trained professional wrestler. So, I mean, you got to lead. You got to have somebody that's a trained professional wrestler lead you in a wrestling match. If you don't know what you're doing. But Cody was able to lead Shaq and have Shaq 
like show off feats of strength and give him some chops and then made it sound uh big. I mean Shaq did good in this first well, he did good in this match. And Shaq was able to Shaq even went through two tables. So I mean, there you go. Shaq was a good sport about it. Um and that's all I can say. Shaq had a Shaq had a passable match on AEW. He did well than a whole lot of other people that are not wrestlers that are celebrities coming into a wrestling ring. He did well for himself. Um, and Tully Blanchard came out of retirement for one match with him and FTR going against Jurassic Express. But when Tully Blanchard and FTR came out, they brought out J.J. Dillon. J.J. Dillon was a former manager of Tully Blanchard whenever Tully Blanchard was by himself first. And then he came and brought Tully Blanchard, not Tully Blanchard, Tully Blanchard brought J.J. Dillon with him whenever he joined up with Arn Anderson, Ole Anderson, and Ric Flair to make the Four Horsemen. Four Horsemen were four wrestlers back in the day in the 1980s that were the four of the simply very... To make it quaint, simple. They were four of the best wrestlers in that territory, in that promotion. They came together. They were the big bad guy group. They held every title, and now all the good guys had to go against them, and it was a hard task for people to do. Make it quite simple. Now that Tully came back, and he hasn't wrestled in over ooh, 20 or, I believe, 32 years on television, he came back, and whenever he came out, he was wearing his old... Uh, um, NWA National Championship while the FTR was wearing the NWA World Tag Team titles. It was basically a whole nostalgia trip down memory lane. And they were showing uh, tradition and they were giving props also to Jim Crockett Jr. because Jim Crockett Jr. was the guy that helped put Ric Flair and Tully Blanchard and the Ole Anderson, Arn Anderson and the Dusty Rose and the Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. He was a guy that helped out a lot of talent that are now legends in this industry back in the old 1980s. You can look up on YouTube and you can go to WWE Network, which now will be on Peacock starting March 18th. You can look at it back. You can go back in the time frame and look at all Jim Crockett promotion stuff, all old WCW uh tapes and DVDs and episodes, but this is before, like, WCW, like, we all know, like, the Money Night Nitro, like, the Sting that became the Crow, this is before then, this was Sting was, uh, bleach blonde hair, and had the colorful attire, this was, it was a whole different time era, okay, so Tully Blanchard and FTR came out there, they were wearing the old NWA champion. NWA belts. They had a match with FT. They had a match with Jurassic Express. It was a good match. Tully Blanchard didn't do much. He hit his finish finisher a slingshot DD, not DT slingshot a slingshot suplex on Marco Stunt. And in coming to the end of the match, uh, he was about to get uh, hit, but a cameraman got in the way, and the cameraman ended up getting hit, and Luchasaurus is in between the ropes at this time. He's groggy, and the cameraman gets up. This is minutes later after the cameraman already got hit already. Minutes later, the cameraman gets up and hits Luchasaurus in the head. 
Luchasaurus is now groggy. Uh, FTR holds him up in a pile driver position. Tully Blanchard gets on the second rope, jumps off to help spike down Luchasaurus. Tully Blanchard ends up pinning Luchasaurus. He gets the win. The cameraman ends up being Sean Spears. Sean Spears is the former Ty Dillinger in WWE. He was in the early stages of AEW 2019, even in the early state in the beginning of the quarantine era 2020 he was a part he was with Tully Blanchard towards the end of 2020 2020 in December you didn't see Sean Spears he decided to take a break from AEW so now he's back and he has bleach blonde hair you now have in the ring Tully Blanchard Sean Spears FTR and JJ Dillon they all come around hug each other and people are speculating, and then out of the tunnel of the entrance, Arn Anderson comes out, and he, the camera pans over to Arn Anderson. Arn Anderson throws up the four. The four is a symbol for the four horsemen, and that just basically throws out a whole nostalgia trip. It's basically indicating that FTR and Sean Spears are now together, and they're with Tully Blanchard, and you're more likely going to see a fourth man to make a new version of the Four Horsemen soon. Uh oh yeah. Um in New Japan news, Kota Ibushi decided well he defended his uh double championships, the IWGP World Championship and the IWGP Intercontinental Championship again against El Desperado, who is and who in his own right is the IWGP junior heavyweight champion and one half of the IWGP junior tag team champion. Chips, Cody Bushi ends up beating El Desperado, and he announces that New Japan has now given him clearance to announce that he has unified both belts. It is now the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, and Cody Bushi is the first ever IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. So it's no longer IWGP World Champion or IWGP Intercontinental Champion. Both of those titles have now been. Uh, defunct and now to make this whole one big brand new belt so now Cody Bush is going to get a new belt and that new belt is going to be going down into the future and be defended and be the company's big number one belt the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship that's just the big news over in New Japan now to get to the pay-per-view tonight AEW Revolution here's my prediction as I go down the match card uh, there's going to be a casino tag team uh, royale. And my prediction to win that is SoCal Uncensored, Kaz and Christopher Daniels. Uh, for the buy-in, it's going to be... The buy-in is basically the pre-show before the pay-per-view starts. It's going to be Riho and Thunder Rosa going against Britt Baker and Rebel. I pick Riho and Thunder Rosa to beat Britt Baker and Rebel. Uh, Miro and Kip Sabian... We'll go against the best friends of Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor to start the pay-per-view off. And I pick Miro and Kip Sabian to beat best friends. Um, There's going to be a six-man ladder match to get a future AEW TNT Championship match against Darby Allin or whoever is the, AT for whoever is the TNT champion down the line. Hey, and this match is... Penta, Pentagon, Cody Rhodes, Scorpio Sky, Lance Archer, Max Caster, and a 
to-be-determined uh, individual. It's somebody that hasn't been announced. I picked Penta because Cody has already had his time in the sun. Scorpio Sky hasn't been on television enough. Lance Archer, uh, I don't see them doing giving him a shot at Darby Allen just yet for that championship. I think they have big plans for Lance for just like the big major championship down the line. Max Caster, he's a tag team wrestler. I don't see them trying to do anything with him yet. And the mystery guy, AEW is very, very loosey-goosey with the mystery guys. The last time they had a mystery guy come in was during a battle royal at All Out, and it was Matt Seidel, and he didn't win. And the time before that, it was at Double or Nothing, and it was a, a ladder match for an AEW World Championship opportunity and then Mystery Man, and that one was Brian Cage, and he ends up winning that. So right now, it's one and one It's half a half, it's a half a percent of, it's a, no, it's a 50%. 50% chance of uh, the Mystery opponent usually winning and the 50% chance of the Mystery opponent usually losing. So I'm going with the Mystery opponent is going to lose this time, and it's been speculating that it was Ethan Page, and the last time you guys heard me mention Ethan, Ethan Page, he was the guy that, um, had his match against himself on um, Impact Wrestling. It was him versus himself. He didn't like the way that it turned out. But anyway, he's no longer with Impact Wrestling. But it has been speculated that Ethan Page is the uh, mystery guy. So I don't know. But if it is him, congratulations for him to be on AEW. But I will be looking to see who the mystery guy is. But I picked Pentagon to win. He needs this. Because he has been on AEW enough times, enough, and he hasn't had like a legitimate uh, title shot yet. So I see him getting this. The next match, Adam Page versus Matt Hardy is a big money match. And the stipulation is if the winner, the winner gets the loser's first quarter's uh, income. I pick Adam Page to beat Matt Hardy. It's quite simple because you can easily create some storyline elements for Matt Hardy to just start going crazy because he doesn't have his first uh, first quarter income check to come in. Because Matt Hardy's whole gimmick now is big money, Matt. Nothing but money. He cares nothing. He cares only about money, getting money, 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 money. So it's so easy to just do if Matt Hardy ends up losing uh, his first quarter incomes. Uh, for writing for storyline standpoint. So next match is Hikaru Shida going against uh, Ryo Mizunami for the AEW Women's uh, title. And I am picking Hikaru uh, uh, Shida to beat uh, Ryo Mizunami to retain the AEW Women's title. The next match is Darby, Allen, and Sting going against Team Taz, which consists of Ricky Starks and Brian Cage in a street fight. I am picking Sting and Darby Allen. This will be Sting's first match since he had his match with Seth Rollins, and that was in 2015. Yes, 2015. And I see Darby Allen and Sting winning this match. Just to get Sting on the good foot with AEW. And I think the street fight is going to be good. I don't see Team Taz is like just getting their butt kicked throughout the whole match. I think Team Taz is going to give Darby Allen and Sting a good fight for their uh, good fight in the street fight. Because you got so many weapons you can play with. But Darby Allen and Sting is going to end up beating Team Taz. Next match, semi-main event. The Young Bucks going against MJF and Chris Jericho for the 
uh, AEW Tag Team titles. I see the Young Bucks winning, and I see them winning because Sammy Guevara is going to come back and screw MJF and Chris Jericho, and that's going to lead to Sammy Guevara going against Chris Jericho down the line, and the Young Bucks retaining the um, titles, and you will see the Young Bucks going against SoCal Uncensored for the tag titles down the line. That's what I see happening. And in the big main event, exploding barbed wire death match for the AEW World Championship. It is Kenny Omega versus John Moxley. I see Kenny Omega winning. Kenny Omega just got the title in December, and I don't see them do having him lose it. Only time he defended the title was against Ray Phoenix. There's so many other competitors that Kenny needs to have defend that championship against. That's why I'm picking Kenny. John Moxley is already winning against about everybody except for Cody Rhodes, and Cody last year already made a stipulation that he would never fight for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship, so that already puts him out of contention for that championship, so there you go with that. Um, I don't know if there's anything else for me to mention, so um, that's it. I have mentioned everything I want to mention. I'm going to be checking out AEW Revolution. If I don't, I'll be catching the highlights of it, and I will let you guys know what I got right and what I got wrong uh, next episode. And, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Before I go, here's where you can find me on social media. On Twitter, it's at My2Podcasts. That's if you want to get at me on my at. But if you want to look up my 2 cents podcast, it's all my the number two, the actual number, you don't write out TWO, you actually put the number two since podcast, all one word on Twitter. Or you can put at my two podcasts on Twitter. Instagram is my two cents podcast G2. It's my, the number two, the actual number two since podcast G2, all one word on Instagram. And if you want to hit me up for business uh, inquiries, as in want me to sponsor, well, want me to advertise something on my podcast, is my2centspod at yahoo.com. That's where we could talk about uh, getting you to put your uh, ad on this podcast. That's all I can give you. Um, But yeah, that's it. Uh, Everybody, I love you guys. I love you guys. There's light at the end of the tunnel. You got to keep pushing forward. You got to keep going. Just keep uh, making yourself known. Make it known that you are still out and doing well. Put it out there into the universe. I put out into the universe that before 2021 is over, I'm going to be making money off this podcast. That's what I'm hoping, and that's what I'm going to be putting out into this universe. Every single day, I'm going to wake up, and I'm going to constantly say, before 2021 is over, I'm going to be making money off this podcast. That is my big thing for this podcast. If it doesn't happen this year, that's fine. But that my main goal is to basically make money off this podcast and also in, enjoy making podcast episodes. You know what? I kind of enjoy the hassle to get these topics just to talk and let out my thoughts because I believe everybody needs to just vent from time to time about certain things that's going on in this world. And that's what I'm doing. But back to my point, I love you guys. That's um, that's it. You got to keep going. Keep pushing forward. Just let it in the tunnel. I love you guys. Just keep pushing. Just keep pushing. 
I will see you guys next week. I don't know what I'm going to be talking about. This is a whole big mystery. We will see what happens this week. What type of shocking news will come out this week? What will happen on professional wrestling? Shoot, I might do an all professional wrestling episode next week. Shoot, I might have my family on the next week's episode. I don't know. That's the whole fun of this podcast. I go by it. I go by it. I fly by it by the seat of my pants or by the whatever my pants, whatever the thing is for this whole the analogies. Anyway. I love you guys. I'm out of here. Peace. I love you. If you want to contact me, you have my social media uh, things. And I am done. Peace. Goodbye. See you next episode. And I am out. I'm tired. You tired. Uh-huh. Jesus wept. Uh-huh.